TalkZone.com. Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome, folks. Thanks for joining us. Two guys in a mic show. TalkZone.com back at you. Beautiful Monday here in the fine city of Chicago. What a weekend it was. All kinds of activities. Hope it was a great one for you, sports and or otherwise. The coach of the big dog with you up until 11 o'clock. One hour of sports talk and more on the two guys in a mic show. TF the music, David Olson, producer extraordinaire. Other side of the window pane. Sometimes we like to call Dave the pain on the other side of the window. <laughs> Our phone number here, if you want to check in, 888 888-463-67-48. 888-463-67-48. Oh, goodness, what a weekend it was. All kinds of action. And as we talked about when we left you on, um, I think the end of Thursday's show, 68 teams started actually to be analytically correct. 68 teams started on Tuesday, but it uh, goes quick. It goes quick, pardon the politically incorrect expression, because we got much more serious things going on now. But the basketball bombing begins in about uh, 72 hours. Well over half the teams are eliminated. In fact, we come back on Monday now. We're down to the final 16. We will analyze. We'll talk about the basketball bloodshed over the weekend and get into a little spring training baseball as well as NFL football lockout. We'll jump off the sports page as well. Coach and the big dog. With you up to 11 o'clock. Without further, Joseph Adu, let's welcome in my good partner here, basketball analyst and sports reactionary. <laughs> Joel, <laughs> Joel Redwanski checking in. Big dog, how are you? Hope you had a good weekend, my friend. Uh, yeah, I had a pretty good weekend, Coach. Uh, but, uh, but it didn't end very well. I want to let you know, and you're exactly right, there's so many other things in the world to worry about yes. other than sport. So let, let this be our distraction. Now, when you see, I, I love the words you were using, but I, honestly, but coach, I just want to let you know. After Illinois lost last night, I'm doing this whole show elbows up. That's all I'm saying to you. So, <laughs> so that's all. Oh, you know what? I got to be honest with you. Even though I was rooting for Illinois, it barely bothered me at all. I mean, I was rooting for them, but big dog. The more you watched that game, it was clearly evident. Without you, know, you could forget all the anal- analytical. You know, experts in the ESPN studios and everything. Bottom line is, Illinois was not good enough. That was clearly evident. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more with you, Coach. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm a diehard Illinois fan. And, and if you really don't know who the better team is, just look and just say, well, who defended better? Mm-hmm. Kansas absolutely smothered Illinois, and Illinois kept giving up layup after layup. So, mm-hmm. I mean, let's just call call it exactly what it is. Illinois wasn't strong enough to, to compete for a national championship this yep. year, or a Big Ten championship, a tournament championship, nothing. And it's really disappointing. And you know what? Those, those are they're good kids. Demetri McKamey, Mike Tisdale, mm-hmm. Billy Cole, good kids, coach. Mike Davis. Yep. But they just never learned to play together in four years of basketball together. Mm-hmm. They really never did. It was always like one of them getting hot for a big game. That's what it has been since for four years. Yeah, so, and they could never learn to play uh, consistently. At a high level, there were brief moments in time, and you're right, they were good kids, and 
good representatives of the institution, had some nice victories and some successes along the way, but never could quite consistently hit that next level. Well, they did win one tournament game, which was their senior year, so mm-hmm. and out of four years. That's not exactly what you expect at the University of Illinois. Just throwing it out there. All right. And I will Just tell you, that thing. was... That was my first look, a real solid look at the Kansas Jayhawks. As much college basketball as I watched, I just didn't get to watch a lot of Kansas. And watching all the teams over the weekend and Thursday and Friday, I mean, the Morris Twins are tremendous players. But overall, Big Dog, and again, I'm basing this on one game only, I didn't think Kansas was that good matched up to some of the other teams. Well, yeah, they're, they're a real good basketball team coach. They defend awesome. Okay. So they can, they can beat anybody left in this tournament. Just a simple fact that that defense that they, I had no idea they were that good defensively mm-hmm. coach. That was, that was very impressive yeah. last night. And the, uh, the announcer brought up a good point. I think it was Steve Kerr. Nothing fancy. Nothing fancy was straight up man to man defense, physical. They weren't doing a lot of double teaming, a lot of trapping, no, no gimmick defense, solid straight up man to man. And that's what Illinois couldn't solve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, you're exactly right. They didn't go help or anything. They just, all right, this is your guy. You defend this dude. Deny mm-hmm. him the ball. You let him have the ball. Then, we'll, you know, it was just unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, I kept saying to my young son watching it, uh, uh, you know, Demetri McCamey, you are not only playing for Illinois Victory. NBA scouts are watching you, are watching you right now, and you are going to need to show people the ability to break people off the dribble. And, Big Dog, I don't know if it was he was hesitant to do so, I can't even make the comment that he wasn't able to do so. He didn't try. Yeah, I know. I know. That's then. That's exactly what Illinois needed to do was was spread the floor a little bit, um, and and try to get some dribble penetration and get mm-hmm. some movement. It, it seemed like they were all packed together all day long. Yeah, a lot of east-west dribbling, but very little north-south. Demetri McCamey, come on, man, take the ball to the hoop. Yeah, it's, see, that's what I've been dealing with as an yeah. Illinois fan, watching every single game this year where it seems yeah. like they do the exact opposite of what they should do in that game to, mm-hmm. to win it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coach, a lot of, a lot has been made of this whole, that was the first rematch uh, of Bill Self uh, playing against, or, you know, coaching against Illinois since he left. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people say, oh, that was his dream job. And people are like, oh, do you blame him for going to Kansas? You know, as, as a diehard Illinois fan, I don't see why Illinois can't be an elite program where somebody like Bill Self in the first place said, you know what, maybe I can make a, a basketball power here. I, I don't understand like the second tier look down on, on Illinois as a basketball program, considering that probably, what, 40% of the Big Ten comes from Illinois, their basketball players, mm-hmm. out of the 11 schools. And that's, it's, probably, it's probably high 30s, but mm-hmm. still that's incredible. Uh, no, no question. I completely agree with you. There's no reason Illinois cannot be a Kansas, cannot be a Connecticut. You just have to get, get the players, get the right coach, build the tradition. Well, but and, what's going to happen? They get the right coach again, and that guy leaves. I, I'm just, I don't want, uh, I just want people to really appreciate Illinois and its basketball. So, like, as Illinois fans, we don't accept it. Oh, it's okay that he went to Kansas. It's it's a better job. No, it's not. It could be a great job in Champaign, a, a, a job a guy could be at for 25 years. So, mm-hmm. And I just have a feeling, the reason why I bring this up, is Bruce Weber is going to get fired, Coach. And I think it's this year. I really, truly believe he's going to get fired this offseason. Interesting. Interesting. Not sure I agree with you, but it's an interesting thought. It's, it's one of those in-betweeners, and, and you look at Bruce Weber on the sidelines, and you almost feel might be, might be the best thing for the guy because he is a good coach. Uh-huh. He is uh-huh. a good coach coach no doubt about it and i think he might be one of those guys who's a better coach when you got the workman like guys you got a few pieces 
basically he got criticized for recruiting and he started to up that process and they did recruit some of the top players in Illinois. They got, they got this guy here, this guy here, this guy here. They're all high school, all Americans, but you put them all together and it was, uh, what's the expression? Was it a, you know, a, Hodge, well, yeah, like a chopped salad compared to a well, uh, ingrained stew that sits and simmers for a while. The stew is all mixed in together. The chopped salad, the ingredients are all there, big dog, but they never, quite mixed together. Illinois, in fact, was the chopped salad. Bruce Weber does a better job coaching this, too. Very yeah. weird analogy. Yeah, I, I, understand. I understand exactly what you mean, because you're, you're talking about my program, so I, I understand totally, mm-hmm. Coach. Mm-hmm. So I just, I, should they, if you're asking, and also if they should if they should fire Bruce Weber, I really am on the fence on that, and I, I hate being that way, but I'm going to admit this, because I like to, you know, beforehand try to figure out what's going on be careful what you wish for, Illinois fans, because if they do fire this guy, mm-hmm. it, uh, I mean, who, who are you going to get to be the coach of this team, Coach? Yeah, I don't think they will. That's a whole other subject we could spend now. we got to go over some of the games from uh, the weekend, we'll and we're right down to that. a one-hour show. I don't think they will, and I will say this. Next year's team will have a different personality, and I'll add this. As much of a knucklehead as he is, and I could be completely wrong, and I still need to be sold on the guy, I somehow, some way somehow think that Jeremy Richmond is going to be the guy that's going to elevate this Illinois program to the next level. Now, keep in mind, I'm talking about a kid who got consistently in trouble in high school. And here I am getting ready for Thursday night's game, Illinois in the College Hoops Tournament, UNLV, all psyched up. And right before the game, they go down to Craig Sager on the sidelines. By the way, wearing a pink sport coat with a pink flowered tie. What a look. For Craig Sager, and again, my excitement level, you know, at the highest level, my favorite team playing in the tournament. Yeah, right before the tip-off, Craig Sager here uh, just got a late report that Illinois coach Bruce Weber says that Jeremy Richmond probably won't play in the game because of disciplinary reasons. And I'm like, you got to be kidding! And he didn't play last night either. No, and did you see him on the on the bench supporting this, his teammate? This is why that I'm saying against all odds. Somehow, somewhere, some way, Jeremy Richmond is going to lead this team next year. It's going to be a different personality, and I think there'll be a little more vitality to the team. But you're right, Big Doug. Even though he couldn't play, he he was the one leading the seniors when they came back to the bench. He was the first guy up cheering. His body language on the bench, quite frankly, better than when he is on the court. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know about that, Coach. I always thought he was a good teammate on the court. I really do. Yeah, I have no idea why he was disciplined this time. I don't. But he had issues with teammates in high school, and at Illinois, it's been a little different. He's he's an odd individual. I yes. don't know if he's as bad as Ron Artest, but he's kind of in that category mentally. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't think like everybody else does. See, you have to try to figure out how yeah. he's seeing the world. But he is, yeah, that's a good way of putting it, but he does have leadership ability, which Illinois needs, and he has charisma, and he, he has, has uh, as Clark Kellogg would say, a little spurt ability. Yeah, he's got talent and a body, okay? So, uh, uh, you know, when you get guys mm-hmm. like that, coach, sometimes you take to go with the bad. Yeah, so Maybe I think, that, I think... that what we think is bad could be good. So. And what we think is good could be bad. Wasn't that a song by the Grateful Dead? Uh, I, I don't know. I really don't think so. And I, I know most of the death songs, coach. There's over a thousand of them. And oh, I, don't, I don't think I heard that one. Thank you very much. 888-463-6748. We're back at you. And a beautiful Monday here. Big dog and a coach at your service again. Hope everybody had a great weekend out there. Watched the basketball and all the tournament action. And big dog just as a 
overview before we get to a few highlights. Uh, overview once again. I sound like a broken record every year, but it was uh, again great entertainment, great drama. The teams, the athleticism, the coaching, the players are phenomenal. It was just it's, it's great, great entertainment again at the sound of uh, being reiteration. No, no, no. It, it absolutely is. It's uh. You know, not being able to watch every second of it really is driving me crazy. But, you know, getting home and be able to switch channels back and forth, Coach, it's really cool. I mean, it, this is, it's been extremely enjoyable to watch uh, this tournament this year. Mm-hmm. And, and the basketball's no... phenomenal, by the way. What's that? And the basketball's phenomenal, by the way. <laughs> Thank you for making that clarification. No lack, once again, Big Doug, no lack of uh, dramatic finishes. We had a ton of uh, one point, two point. I don't know about how many last-second shots there were, but and there were a few, but so many games, so many games came down to that final possession. The drama was tremendous. Yeah, uh, it seemed like uh, half the games were coming down that way. So it was, I was hoping I would be able to do that, but mm-hmm. they couldn't. And couple uh, of overview thoughts here, and uh, you know, we'll talk about the brackets and how everybody's doing, but not. I don't know if we want to spend time talking about how each person's brackets are doing. I'd rather talk no. about you know the no. games. Uh, you know, while you're talking about your brackets, you can also show us our, your family album and tell us about your family trip you took, and then you can you can bore us completely all together all at once. Yeah, um, and then to tell us about your fantasy team. <laughs> yeah, thank you for putting that in there as well. Yeah. Uh, another overview, and this seems to be a broken record, fairly consistent theme year after year, but we don't learn, Big Dog, and the experts don't either, and that is not all the good teams in the country are in the two or three major conferences. Once again, the major conferences were beaten early, and they were beaten often. Yeah, and Virginia Commonwealth, which was a pimple on everybody's butt going into the tournament, has won three consecutive games. Yep. And, and what in six days or five days? Yep, five so, days. Yeah, that's pretty good. Butler again. Why were they an eight seed? Should have been what? A, you know, who cares what seed they are? Uh, They're in the Sweet Sixteen right now. That's I all like, that really matters. I like the one comment I saw. This year's Butler is Butler. <laughs> 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 yeah, which is so true. Speaking of which, by the way, and I missed the game, and I heard you know the the end. We're going to talk about. Everybody's talking about the end. Apparently, it's a shame because apparently, Big Dog. The Butler Pittsburgh game for uh, 58 minutes and 30 seconds was maybe of all the great games, maybe the best played game of the entire playoffs, entire March Madness so far. I don't, I'm assuming you did not see the regular game as well. No, well, I, I saw the end of it, Coach, and I, I thought no, I didn't see the actual play. I got home right when I had seen the score, and I didn't see what happened. But I guess there was a foul that should have been called. I didn't get to see all of it, but I will tell you this right now: the head coach for Butler. When asked about how he felt, he says, I want to say this right now, that uh, Pittsburgh is a great program, and they deserve to win the basketball game. Uh, Butler is a great program. Coach, I didn't get it wrong. He admitted that Pittsburgh had every right to win the basketball game. Wait, which and coach, lucky. Which coach are you Butler, talking about? The Butler head coach. Oh, okay. I thought you said the Pittsburgh head coach. No, the Butler head coach said Pittsburgh is a great program, and they had every right to win this basketball game. Mm-hmm. So basically saying a call may have cost Pittsburgh uh, a chance to go to the Sweet 16. He totally admitted it. Totally, completely, he threw it out there, and he ended it. He squashed it. That was the first thing he said after the game. And then it was all okay. Now we've got to worry about the next game, don't we? So that's what it is. I mean, oh, you know Pitt- what? It, it, the Pittsburgh coach took the high road as well. And the Butler coach, Brad Stevens, rapidly becoming not only mine, but 
many people's one of their favorite coaches. The guy is so cool, so calm, and mm-hmm. you know, he looks like he's about twenty five years old and a great and the tactician. Way he yeah, he yeah, we got lucky. <laughs> What's he gonna do? What are you gonna act like? No, are we deserve to win? No, no, we got lucky. <laughs> yeah, but but here's the part that bothers me. And again, I preface it by saying the game itself was a great game, maybe the best of all the really good games we saw this weekend. And unfortunately, I didn't watch most of the game, so I didn't get to see that. But uh, you obviously didn't watch it because you said that uh, for the first 58 minutes of the game, it was it was it was uh, tightly wound. Yeah, people said not not only tightly wound, just really well played. It was one of the best games of the weekend, and that's a compliment, Big Dog, because there was some really good games over the weekend. But you, you still don't get what I what I'm saying, Coach. How many minutes are there in a college basketball game? Forty minutes. All right, <laughs> okay, so I'm thinking of NBA. Okay. okay, I got gotcha. you. Thank you very much for that uh, minute clarification. <laughs> But here's what I'm mad about, Big Dog. You know it's my pet peeve, and it came up again this weekend. And, it, and really, my, my philosophy versus others, it could not have become any clearer on this particular play. First of all, Butler scored a great basket, great play that they ran. Scored with 2.5 seconds left, looked like the game-winning basket. Right? Now, we well, all know... I, I haven't seen what happened, so you're, you're, you're actually describing it for me for the first oh, time. Oh, well, Big Dog, you got it. I mean, this, the, now you're taking reactionary sports talk radio too far. So you haven't even seen the highlights of the, of the finish? No, I didn't have a uh, coach. Big dog. Big dog. Big dog. Big dog. 888. Do, do, do you think I like working that much? On uh, the I, No. It's it's the four right. hours to and fro. That All right. Here's what happened. Butler scores on a uh, – they call timeout. They run a beautiful special. They uh, make a basket, beautifully uh, conducted play by uh, Coach Brad Stevens. They score a basket with 2.5 seconds left. Their big kid, Anthony Smith, puts it in. Looks like they're celebrating and winning. Desperation time for Pittsburgh off the timeout. They in the ball, inbound the ball. Their guard brings it up, ready to heave up a half-court shot. Shelvin Mack for Butler takes a bad angle defensively. Why are you even close to the guy? And fouls him. Fouls him a legitimate foul before he heaved up the half-court shot. So it's a super bonus, two shots. Not okay. three shots, okay? So, okay. you know, Butler's thinking, oh, my God, we had the game won. And now they're sending a pretty good free-throw shooter to the line. we got a one-point lead. Kid makes the first, ties it up. You look at the Butler bench. They realize they made the mistake that's going to cost them the playoffs. Pittsburgh's starting to celebrate. And on free-throw number two, and, again, the kid is a good free-throw shooter, he misses the second free-throw. At this point, Big Dog, there's .8 seconds left. Okay. Matt Howard for Butler grabs the rebound. The Pittsburgh guy gets overly anxious, caught up in the moment, goes not so much over the back, but reaches for the ball and uh, fouls the arm of Matt Howard. Howard does not lose the ball. Turns around, and Howard tries to heave the ball down court in a desperation attempt. 0.8 seconds. They call a foul. A foul on the rebound. With no time remaining, Howard goes down and hits the free throw to win the game. Wow. He was 93 feet. How long is a basketball court? I don't know. Call it 93 and a half feet away from the basket. He grabbed the rebound, and the referee calls the foul. I thought it was a horrible call. Horrible yeah, that, judgment. That, that does sound like a horrible Yeah, but call. Big Dong, I am amazed. And, again, any listeners out there, I'd love for you to come back. Uh, God forbid you want to support me. Feel free to do so. Most people seem to think that I am completely wrong. 888-463-6748. You do not make that call 93 feet away in a phenomenal game, in a tie game. It was a foul, but Howard still held on to the ball. 
No reason to make that call, Big Dog. Almost every announcer, to a T, said, you know what? You call it early in the game, you got to call it there. A foul's a foul, you got to make the call. I was shocked that I didn't hear any of our uh, analysts at any of the TV stations disagree with that call. Well, uh, you know, you're, you know, I'm a stickler to the rules, coach. You, you know that, but you're you're right. And as a, an official, I wouldn't have called that. I, I, have, I have to see it. I don't. It was like a swing. Okay, you got to call the foul. Yeah. You can't have a guy act like a goof. But it was, if not, it was just like a typical foul, and he yep. did not lose the ball, which is the key and most important. Yes, point. Yeah, no advantage right. I, game. I can't call it. Pitiful. I really can't. I really yeah. can't call it in that particular. Yeah, that, that's not like a rule technicality. It's like, okay, what just happened? Okay, that's that's, that's so called nothing. That's called common sense. You just you just don't make that call. You know, in the middle I, of the I third. I do want to see it now, though, really bad, because I do want to see how bad of a foul it was. It wasn't that bad. It was a foul. When you watch it on slow mo replay, it was a foul, but it was not that bad. It was by no means malicious. David Olson, producer extraordinaire, man whose brackets have so much. Red ink and X marks, they look like my English paper sophomore year of high school. Did you see the play, Dave? I did not, no. You did not. Dave was watching Spinal Tap when that game was going on. <laughs> Spinal Tap 2 or 3? Uh, no, there's only, there's only one. Two, I don't think it went, it went straight to really? uh, beta. Yeah. They, they never came out with a Spinal Tap 2. That's a shame. Uh, no, they did not. I loved Michael J. Fox in that. <laughs> Uh, all right, so you need to watch it, but I would be curious in your opinion. And again, any okay, I'll, I'll I'll look for it. I'll go on YouTube and I'll find the highlights and all I'll right. watch I'll, I'll watch uh, that stuff. Thank again. you very much. You, you, you know, you, I don't enjoy missing all that stuff. And to be honest with you, when that after I missed the actual end of the game and not just the interviews, and they didn't show the highlights, there was there was three other games going on at, the, at that time on television. So I wasn't about to stick around. I was rather mm-hmm. watching. Live basketball that people talk about basketball that had already happened. So. Mm-hmm. And By the way, the games ended, and you know how stuff goes, coach. Even though and I don't know how much television you got to watch to fully analyze the flipping around, it was great having the games at all four different stations. I take back uh, my worries that I had on Wednesday and Thursday that it would be disruptive. The announcers, big dog, I thought were outstanding. Marv Albert and Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr, really, really good. He's an NBA guy, but boy, just. You know, he doesn't yell, he doesn't scream, he doesn't shout, but uh, just very analytical, brings up some great points. Gus Johnson, I could listen to all day long. Outstanding. I mean, I didn't hear a bad announcer. They were all, I thought, good. The analysts in the studio were very, very good. It shocked me, but Barkley, Kenny Smith, Greg Anthony, that group, which is an NBA group, they were very, very good. They knew their college stuff that was entertaining. I, I, I thought the TV broadcast was uh, outstanding. You know, honestly, I would love to hear Gus Johnson and Steve Kerr do the game together. That's an interesting combo. They would be a phenomenal combo because nobody gets as excited as Gus Johnson. By the way, can I say this? The Big Ten Network's lead anchor, Gus Johnson, who yeah. left the Knicks to go to the Big Ten Network. Mm-hmm. Just told, you know I love that man, Coach. I love Gus, Gus Johnson, especially we, now that he left and went to the Big Ten Network. But. We, we got a lot of Gus Johnson. I think he did like nine games in four or five days, counting the play-in games. So he uh, he had his work cut out for him. But, you know, he, he's enthusiastic. And, and, you know, he'll shout and scream a little bit, but he does it. I think in a non-show way, he can. he's still clear enough and crisp enough. It's almost a little bit like Wayne Larrabee when he does football. Okay, yeah, he's got that. Yeah, he's yeah. got that, like, Drama and set up yes. situation. That's yep. what you have to do when you're when you're broadcasting a game like that. You can't just mm-hmm. say what's happened. You kind of have to give it an like overt, 
like little flair to it that you don't really, you know what I mean? There's got to be something like that in mm-hmm. it when you, when you actually describe the game. Now, there's, you know, our own Jordan Burnfield says that he is not, that uh, Gus Johnson is not properly, um, how do you say, prepared before really? games. And he really doesn't even know. Like, he'll find out who's playing on the team when he gets there. Interesting. And, you know, but he's sharp enough to be like, okay, number 22 is Marcus something from, uh, you know, his, mm-hmm. he's Marcus Thomas from Springfield, Massachusetts. Oh, Marcus from the, you know, Basketball Hall of Fame. You know, he'll say something like that, throw it in there, and that's all he does. So he really needs Steve Kerr with him because then it would be the perfect combination because Steve Kerr knows everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could tell Steve Kerr, again, NBA guy, but he, he brought up stuff, uh, you know, from the, what the teams did early in the season, little subtle things that you could tell he had done his research, and it's, and it's easy to do if you do a one game. But these guys had to do what? If they're doing a Friday, Sunday, you had to do four games on Friday and uh-huh. two on Sunday. So six games in two days. They had to study up on eight different teams, basically. Aren't, aren't they doing it? Aren't they putting the pods, Coach, where there's two games a day, four days in a row? Because that's why you have the weird thing where you have like yeah, like three teams in one Sweet 16 bracket. That are in yeah. one and another. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. There were some locations that that did that. Yes, it was not. So evenly... they're doing four games in. Or they're doing eight games in four days. Some of those guys. I don't know about that. Well, coach, they would have two games a, a day. Well, no. And then no, Thursday, no. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Well, there'd be four games on the first two. So there'll be even more than that. Yeah, you got me confused. It doesn't matter. The announcing was, I thought, uh, excellent. And again, invite any of our listeners to check in your analysis of the TV coverage of an 888-463-6748. Jim Nance and Clark Kellogg, the ultimate professionals as well. Even Lenny Elmore. You know, Len Elmore, I forget who he was working with, but even Len Elmore can give you some good game as well. I enjoy his, maybe not quite as scintillating, but I enjoy his broadcast as well. The games were great. The production, the TV work was outstanding. The announcers were uh, excellent as well. Big dog, real quick, let's go over. Uh, you had Ohio State advancing out of their foursome. There's not much to say there except Ohio State is a great, great team. Can they be beaten? Yes, but they're a great team. Pretty simply said. Yeah, yeah, and they got they're a real, real good team, coach. That's not fooling anybody right now. That I mm-hmm. mean, it's. It, they looked great in the regular season, and now they're dominating through the first two rounds of the tournament, mm-hmm. taking on Kentucky next week. And can Lexington and Columbus aren't too far apart, Coach. I, I would bet you they're only about 180 miles apart. It's going to be a good matchup. Good matchup. Yeah. I know George Mason, uh, I was not watching the game. I had hit basketball burnout. I was going to join in the second half, but somebody told me, hey, Mason's up 11-2. to two. And I'm thinking, wow. Wow, 11-2 to two may be an upset. So you know, I, I tune in right before the end of the first half. Let's see if this is going to be yet another upset. And Ohio State's like by like 20 points. <laughs> so the brief quick start. but And George Mason's a good team, by the way. So Ohio State, uh, not much story there. They were clearly the dominant team. Kentucky, uh, pretty much the same thing. Big Dog, they were, well, the Princeton game was dramatic, of course. They barely beat Princeton. Brandon Knight, their leading scorer, makes his first basket of the game. But then they take care of West Virginia. Not much drama there. Kentucky advances. Uh, yeah, how, yeah. how about Marquette? The Marquette Golden Eagles, what a story they were. They beat Xavier and Syracuse back-to-back. One of the teams that uh, you have to do this come tournament time, dog. Elevate your game, play better than you have all season. Marquette was on a roll playing their best basketball. I don't know if you got a chance to watch them. 
No, no, I didn't get a chance to see it, but I was awfully happy to see Marquette advancing because uh, out of the Big East, or the one of the few Midwesterns of the Big East, so that federal for them. Out of the yeah. Big East, also coaches been taking it on the chin. That's... I know, certainly they uh, Marquette beat Syracuse to the Big East team, so I don't know how much you consider that a loss for the Big East, but. A lot of Big East teams lost on yeah. opening weekend. Well, that's why I made the comment that uh, one theme, and it seems to be every year, is that we overrate the big conferences. This year in particular, the Big East was good, but they weren't as great as we thought they were. There are other teams around that can compete with the Big East in the past couple of days. They not only competed, but they beat them. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. They were kind of exposed, maybe a little overrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you hear Charles Barkley, by the way, ripping the Big East? Yes, with Big East coach Rick Pitino sitting oh. two chairs away. I did. That was some classic <laughs> television. Uh-huh. It really can't get any better than what was going on right there. I, <laughs> I was like, I was like, out to people, but then, you know, they were, we had friends over last night. I was the only one in my house to see it. I, I couldn't believe what I was watching. To be, be quite honest with you, I the even way saw Barkley a- attack the Big East and Patino, basically making fun of them at first about losing to Moorhead, and then talking about oh they've got the great coaches in the world but no talent. That's that's why he was trying to make up to Patino a little bit. The, the coaching is very very good, but the talent in the Big East is overrated. When he says overrated, it's just that everybody said this year the Big East may be one of the great conferences of all time. So I don't think he was saying the Big East was bad. But he was just saying they're not as good as we thought they were. And I even saw a strand of Rick Patino's hair go out of place when he said that. Yeah, he was not very happy. No. He was not very Now, did Notre Dame end up beating Florida State last night? Oh, though? no. They got blitzed. Ooh. Notre Dame is out, too. All right, so Mar- he's, the, he's the small forward for Florida State that's going to end up being a first-round draft. Pick, What's so. his name? Chris Singleton. Oh, yeah. Great and- defender. Oh my God! Yeah, if you can defend, they they will yeah. draft you in the in the NBA yeah. immediately. And he's not playing have... his best either because he had been out for a month. I think he's just back from a uh, uh, broken toe or turf toe. I don't know. Basketball oh, players really? can get turf toe. So he's made himself millions of dollars the last this weekend, basically, coach. Because he had a lot of pub, and all of a sudden he goes into the tournament, and then mm-hmm. he dominates. Yeah. So okay. Yep. You're a man who's experienced turf toe, big dog. Bring us. Uh, Inside the trainer's room, inside the athlete's body, how bad? Many listeners out there anxiously awaiting your uh, answer, but uh, how bad yes, can the so, turf toe uh, be? I have to say I have experienced uh, turf toe, but lucky for me it was on my buddy Butler, so I didn't actually have to go through the pain. Oh, but Big Butler? Was, big Butler. Check this out, Coach. He was running. You know, turf toe can be a bunch of different things, but basically it's the – it's messing up uh, the ligament in, in the top of the ligament in your big toe. So the turf toe specifically is the big toe. If someone is an injured third or fourth metatarsal, it can act be considered turf toe. Turf toe is specific. I guess technically it could happen. <laughs> but, but, but how do you get like the turf toe is just say like you were running and you caught your big toe on the ground and then it got smushed. So what happens is that ligament at the top rips or tears or pulls, but if it rips, you're in really, really, wow. really big trouble because supposedly that's like the hardest ligament mm-hmm. to reattach and have it work properly again. My buddy Butler has never been able to exercise ever since that happened to him. Really? The, 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 the big toe is one crazy, crazy thing. You do not <laughs> want to mess up your big toe, Coach. Believe it or not, it might be the most debilitating. Oh, and I've never seen Butler, thank goodness. I've never seen him with his shoes and socks off, but I have seen Butler. In a sport coat and tie, the man's got the largest neck I've ever seen. I'm going to imagine 
<laughs> that he has got one humongous big toe. Yeah, it is, Coach. It is. He was he was the heavyweight wrestler at McMurray, and he was the one while he was getting trained with Dave Clem, mm-hmm. who was the guy who beat Bruce Baumgartner. Oh yes. Yes. The yes, Olympia. Coach, we had some big time coaches over there at McMurray. He was big time. And, uh, but uh, Coach, it messed him up. I mean, legitimately, he like could not. He limped around for two years on mm-hmm. that thing. Let that be a lesson to all the young kids out there. A large. Athletic, angry, intimidating man brought to his knees. Literally and figuratively brought to his knees by an injured big toe. Yeah. I think and you know what, know what was ironic is uh, Butler's favorite p- football player of all time. He was a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, Coach. Who do you think, just get, throw it out there. Who do you think his best favorite, Mike favorite Web- player was? Mike Webster. Oh, that's not a bad call, actually, because he loved Mike Webster. Loved Mike Webster. <laughs> he always talked about Mike, Mike Webster constantly. Okay. But it was Jack Lambert. Ah. Jack Lambert, one of the toughest football players ever, unquestioned. Yep. As a matter of fact, when a scout saw him playing football uh, one day at, on a on a parking lot the night before a game, and he was still tackling people. And the coaches just said, we're not even going to tell him to stop. So <laughs> that's why the Steelers drafted him. Okay. Well, uh, his career ended because of turf toe. All right. His favorite football player growing up, he had all the Jack Lambert jerseys, all that stuff, and mm-hmm. it's turf toe that gets him, too. Beautiful. This portion of Butler's discussion brought to you by Butler University, where academics meet sports and activities you and your kid can enjoy the Butler experience. Yeah, everyone wonders why I take Butler so deep. They're like, man, you must really know your college basketball. Well, no, it's just my buddy's Shh. named Butler. So I always have them go to Lisa Sweet 16. All right. Moving quickly down the bracket, North Carolina advanced. They'll take on Marquette. That was a great game against Washington. Athletes, fast-breaking teams. It came down. Big dog to the final shot. Washington uh, had a shot at it, but they missed. North Carolina survives another last-second finish. You would have enjoyed this game because it was up-and-down basketball. Oh, yeah. I, I love the fast-paced game, Coach. Yep. you guys, you got to love that crisp pass and getting up and down the floor. It was, if not the best played game, it was one of the most entertaining. No question about it. Duke, Duke advances out of their quad run from. They beat Michigan. Michigan absolutely destroyed Tennessee. This is a Michigan team that was picked for tenth out of eleven teams in the Big Ten about six weeks ago. They had no chance in heck of getting in the NCAA's. Probably not even an NIT team. And all of a sudden, they came of age. Big dog. No seniors on the Michigan team. They lose by two points. They are going to be a top. 15 team next year and again again dog it came they were down 10 about six minutes left but michigan fought back they had a shot to win it uh, i'm sorry a shot to tie it darius morris missed a four foot repeat four foot runner michigan almost knocked off duke who would have thunk it yeah that's uh you know michigan's a tough team i mean the, the big Ten's a good conference so the fact that duke had to play you know someone finished fifth in the big 10 in uh, you know, in the second round of the or the third round, I'm getting really confused with that stuff, coach. By the way, I don't like any of that stuff. Second round, third round, second round. All right, what are you telling me that because you just want to keep it that yes. way? Like, and I agree with you. No, or I'm you telling know? you that because that's the way it actually is. I mean, technically, no, but but in all intents and purposes, it was the second round games yesterday. Yeah, yeah, it drives me crazy that they call them the third round yeah. games, though. Yeah. So we're gonna have to change. I'm not. We're gonna sound stupid. Not me. Okay, I'm sick of. Yeah, I don't. I don't let somebody else uh, throw me technicalities. I go by the reality of the situation. The reality is, and I think most basketball aficionados and those are the people that I 
try to uh, touch the hearts of, if not the brains, uh, realize that it was the second round of the tournament. So Okay, so before we go on to the next thing, and we'll do this quick, I just want to ask you something. On what level, what football level does Illinois State play football? I think they're a Division One AA team, and don't ask me. <laughs> I was like, Coach, they changed that like seven years ago. What are they, Division One now? They're FCS. That's all you have to say. They're who? FCS. Dude, that's what I'm saying. The seven years from now, when this is still going on, you're going to be calling us the second round. <laughs> uh, probably. That's, that's my point. That's, that's what I'm trying to get to you. Yeah. I do like the term, the first four. I like that. Yeah, well, keep that. Keep that. But still, they should move it. The next year, it should be first round, second round, and the first four. Really. I mean. Yes, exactly. That's. that's but they uh, don't want to consider them playing games. Yeah. So, in a well, sense, that's why they have to do it first, see, second, third round. The difference is, Big Doug, you are like so many people out there. You're willing to be twisted and changed even if you don't like something if i see something that is inappropriate instead of me saying well it's inevitable i'm going to take it that way that i I tend to fight it and i tend to i I do what i think is right not what i'm told is technically correct no don't start getting like uh you know anti-man or or still you know anti-authoritarian coach (laughs) in your discussion about this i think kind of take it the way i look at this if we're going to speak about sports on it on a medium, then uh-huh. we kind of have to call stuff correctly, or else we either sound stupid, nope. or hackney, or hacky. Well, no, I think quite the opposite. Actually, I think it, it sounds stupid to say the first round is the second round. Now, maybe I'll change <laughs> as times go by, but the first round is the first round. So I would say quite the opposite of what you're saying. I think okay. the, the reason I'm saying it is because it makes sense. I think, well, that's the way. I know, I know, no, it does. Calling it does. yesterday's I, game I the third. I, I mean, I can't argue that point whatsoever. Okay. I can't. Right. Once again, for transcripts of today's show, folks, you can write to us here at thetalkzone.com. Send us an email. We'll send you the address, only because I'm not sure of the address here. Uh, we're in Morton Grove, Illinois, though, I can tell you that. Talkzone.com, our email if you want to email us, Mike2Guys at AOL.com. And anybody who is... Uh, Desperate enough to get the transcripts of today's show, we'll send it to you. We might even, Big Dog, if you ever get me those uh, pictures of you, I will send along with the transcripts an eight and a half by eleven picture of the Big Dog, Joe Edwanski. Oh, there's a good one. I'm doing the thinking man on it, but luckily I'm closed. <laughs> yes, and it's the one where you're looking straight forward, not the profile picture. You no, know, no, my head down, my eyes are closed. <laughs> it's the one where you're looking sideways and you got numbers below it. Oh, yeah. I know that guy. I've seen him before. All right, moving quickly along, taking on the Dukies who beat Michigan uh, is Arizona. Uh, Brent broke a record, another phenomenal game. I don't know if you saw it or not. Big Dog came down to the final possession. Derek Williams makes an unbelievable shot. Yeah, wasn't it? Oh, my. I mean, like, the coach, it's one of the great shots in NCAA history. Falling down, diving. Like legitimately falling down and just yep. throws up a hook. You, you got to do that play justice. It wasn't your typical shot. No, the man was beyond fouled and he was taking a dive. He was like four feet in the air with parallel to the ground, mm-hmm. flipping the ball up when it went in. But still had his eyes up in the basket and still yeah. had enough. He just didn't fling it up there. He actually had touch as he shot it up there. A big dude, six 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 seven NBA player. He'll probably be a top. Five top ten NBA. Yeah, pick. he's a power forward in the oh, yeah. in the NBA coach in the in the new era NBA. Like he can post yep. up and run the floor. Yep. He's, yeah. 
And then uh, Texas came down, and, you know, again, sound like a broken record, the great drama of the weekend. Texas came down. They did have a final shot to tie it or win it. Uh, Jacoby Cobb, I believe the young man's name is, uh, put up the shot. The rebound went up. Controversy whether he was fouled or not. I thought the officials made the correct call in holding their whistle. It was close. It was dramatic. And it was a, a thrilling victory for Arizona, as tough a defeat as you can get for Texas, big dog. Um, yeah, I, I didn't feel too bad for Texas coach. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Did, did you see the replay? Else. Did Did you think it was a foul there at the end? Should the refs have blown the whistle? Uh, that's, you know, that's a really tough call, coach. Yep. It, you know, that's, I don't know. I, I don't know. I wouldn't have blown the whistle. Okay. Personally. Moving quickly along, San Diego State advanced. Not much drama there. They were the best team, most athletic. Congrats to them. And Connecticut also, uh, no drama there. They'll be taking on San Diego State. The only impressive thing to say about Connecticut, Big Dog, they win five games in five days in the Big East tournament. Everybody thought maybe a hangover ripe for an upset. They were not. They continue to be on a roll. I don't know how long they can keep going. Uh, they have a chance to go to win the next two games, and you win the next two games, you've had a successful season in college basketball, even if your ultimate goal is the national champion. So they, they can win two more, Coach. Mm-hmm. All right. Take it out. And you're talking about San Diego State and then the winner of Arizona and Duke. Certainly uh, winnable games for Connecticut. At some point they might run out of gas, but maybe not. They got the superstar in Kemba Walker. We already talked about Kansas knocking off Illinois. Kansas will be uh, – Really, in their southwest region, matched up against Cinderella, Cinderella, Cinderella. The first glass slipper they'll meet, Big Dog, is the Richmond Spiders. They are back in a somewhat familiar Cinderella role. Yeah, Richmond has done this before. I, I, I have not been home when they were playing, so I have not seen them play yet in the tournament. So hopefully, uh, you know, I'll get to see their, I think they're playing Thursday coming up, so. I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to see them, Coach. All right, Richmond and Kansas, and then the uh, true Cinderella of the tournament also in the southwest region, Virginia Commonwealth. Like you said, a lot of the experts thought it was a mistake that Colorado should have got in. Virginia Commonwealth did not belong there. Well, they belong now, folks. They won their play-in game, and then they beat Georgetown, and then they shocked everybody. This is amazing. Not only beat Purdue, Big Dog, but dominated them from start to finish. The Boilermakers are down. How about Virginia Commonwealth? Yeah, that's... You know, I, I really thought Purdue was going to make a good run in this tournament. Obviously, you know, I, I was, I'm wrong, but my goodness, coach. I mean, to beat Purdue, each one more and Joan Johnson, Purdue's a good team. Virginia Commonwealth, people are watch out. I love when they pick against the team because that's immediately the team that I know is going to go deep into the tournament or at mm-hmm. least get to the Sweet 16 when everyone complains at why they're in. Yep playing with that chip on their shoulder. And, again, the amazing part of it is Purdue really never made a run. I mean, Virginia Commonwealth, from, from minute one to minute 40, uh, to minute 40, they were the best team out there and easily over Purdue, an absolute shocker. How about the team they're playing? We all thought Purdue-Notre Dame. What a cool matchup that would be. They don't play each other in the regular season. NCAA had to be licking their chops at that matchup with Notre Dame. Lays an egg yesterday. They play tighter than a 10-pound drum. Florida State, similar to VCU, from start to finish, fairly easily knocking off Notre Dame. Big Doug, who would have thought? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Florida State, people are watch out for them because you know they they looked really good last night against Notre Dame. I mean, yeah. They were much more athletic than Notre Dame. They took advantage of it and they were actually able to disrupt yeah. Notre Dame's offense, which is normally just precise and pretty to watch. And it definitely wasn't yesterday. My comment watching them was that where they've been hiding all season. It's like wow. 
pretty good team, pretty talented team, like you said, just great defenders, great athletes, and uh, where have they been all year? You know, we haven't heard yeah. about them at all. Yeah, I mean, uh, LeJoy, they finished third in the in the ACC, but this year you just shrug your shoulders. Normally you finish third in the ACC, you're a contender for the national title. You know, but uh, maybe they are. I mean, they got to beat Virginia Commonwealth. Who would they have to beat in the Elite Eight to get to the Final Four, Coach? Kansas or Richmond. Um, it's winnable. Wow. Yeah, 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 definitely. Definitely winnable, yeah. Coach. Because yeah. uh, Illinois did not play very good defense last night against Kansas. So we'll see mm-hmm. what happens when Kansas actually is, has, is contested, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, and somebody takes away the two Morris kids and uh, makes anybody else on the team beat you. I don't know. Thomas, the point guard, pretty good. Morningstar, the shooter, pretty good, but not real good. I, yeah. If you could stop the Morris twins, I think Kansas can be beaten. That would be cool. Florida State would be a great story. Uh, I don't know if Virginia Commonwealth could beat Kansas, though, Coach. Obviously, they could beat Richmond. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they could beat Kansas. Yeah, I would tend to agree with you. And I think Florida State, a little bigger. Uh-huh. A little bigger size-wise might be a better matchup uh, for the upset over Kansas. Finishing out a great weekend that was. 68 teams started again after the basketball bloodbath, if you want to call it. Only 16 teams remain, but one of those teams we talked about, Butler advancing in two dramatic games. Wisconsin, there was very little drama with Wisconsin, big dog. Bo Ryan and the boys just very quietly let everybody else make the headlines, and we'll just sneak in. Thank you for our invitation to the Sweet 16. Yeah, uh, I, I really thought Belmont would give them a game. I really love Wisconsin and their, and Bo Ryan. And now they're playing Butler. Why, why we have, I don't want to root against Wisconsin coach. And they're playing Butler in the Sweet 16. That's the only thing bad about it. Yeah. That's a good you know, coaching cause... matchup too. Bo Ryan against Brad Stevens. That's, that's one of the more watchable games in the Sweet 16. That's going to be fun. Yeah. Those are two likable coaches yep. and, and teams that play. Did basketball the exact way it's supposed to be played, 100%. Mm-hmm. Back to teammates up. You get stuff like if you hustle all the time, you get the tip and layups at the buzzer. And everyone's just standing around as one guy is running towards the ball, catching it late, and then and nine guys are watching him. So. Good uh, good point guard matchup. Hopefully they'll be guarding each other. It'll be fun to watch. Shelvin Mack for Butler. Jordan Taylor for Wisconsin. Two of the best uh, lead guards in the country. That is going to be fun to watch. Finally, let's finish it out. Florida advances to the Sweet 16. The final score was 73-65 over UCLA Big Dog. Similar to the North Carolina-Washington game, one of the most entertaining games to watch. The final score did not indicate how close it was. UCLA had them right down to the final, I think, like 30 seconds that Florida opened up the score. It was a great game. UCLA, by the way, much better than I thought they were, but Florida pulls it out with a late flurry led by a five foot eight inch guard, Irvin Walker. Yeah, I wish I was able to see that game, Coach. Uh, that Florida's playing really, really well right now. And what they would have to beat, uh, if, if they win their Sweet 16 game, they would have to then beat the winner, Wisconsin Butler. That's correct. Oh wow! Okay, so yeah, they've got that 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 bracket right there is pretty good. Somebody good is going to come out of that mm-hmm. bracket. And the one team we haven't mentioned yet that uh, Florida will have to get by first is BYU. I watched Gonzaga win their game, mm-hmm. and I watched BYU win their game, and I told people I might have even mentioned it here on the uh, TalkZone.com. Yeah, you said you Gonzaga, said Gonzaga is, was going to beat BYU by twenty points. I said Gonzaga will win by twenty points. I couldn't have been more wrong. I was amazed, and I didn't get the chance to see the game. I could uh, not believe that BYU beat Gonzaga that badly, but credit to them. Jimmer, it was more 
the Jimmer for that. He scored 34 points, but the key was the rest of the BYU team stepped up. Oh, no, no, they absolutely did, Coach. They absolutely did. But if you would have watched the game, the story still was Jimmer. The shots he was hitting, though, it, was just, it didn't make any sense, Coach. Everybody else is making layups, nice little 15-foot jump shot. But he's, like, falling out of bounds, getting elevation and getting separation from defenders, hitting three-point shots. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's like, how does he do it? But everybody else did step up that game. If you were a NBA scout, uh, Mr. Redwanski, would you call Jimmer Fredette's name in the top five, eight picks? I don't know. Yes. I think I would, too. The guy can flat out score the basketball. So, yeah, I got to go with him. And he's quick. He's quick. He has, he's got elevation. Yeah, he oh, can get an open look on yeah. anybody, period. Mm-hmm. At San Diego State, there's a bunch of great athletes. On that team, he was getting open looks against them. Yeah, so. I think the key in my mind, again, we're talking top five, top eight NBA pick is, you know, he's, his range is unlimited, phenomenal shooter, great elevation, but what makes him to me a top five, top eight pick is he can go to the hoop. I mean, he is, you know, I'm not going to say he's the quickest point guard in the country, but for a great shooter, you think of guys like JJ Redick and, you know, guys like that who could not put the ball on the floor. He can put the ball on the floor. He can go to the hoop with a pretty good burst, Big Doug. To me, that's what makes him a special offensive player. Uh, he, he's phenomenal, Coach. And, uh, you know, he, he reminds me a little bit of the whole Stephen Curry story from two years ago. And people are like, oh, should, he, should Stephen Curry be drafted? And at the time, yep. I was like, absolutely. People people didn't believe in him. Look how he's turned out in the NBA. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy is hes going to be – a scorer and an assist guy for 10 years in the league. So, yeah, Jimmer Fredette should definitely be picked. No question Maybe about it. He doesn't it. have all the other stuff you typically look for, but all I know is this is he dominates the basketball court when he's on it. So Sometimes too much. Sometimes to a fault. All right, big dog and a coach, little basketball recap here, TalkZone.com. Two guys and a mic and producer extraordinaire on the other side of the glass. David also will be with you all week long, although we do have some substitution Fillins, big dog, I got to talk to you off air. We may have some guest hosts coming in a little bit at the end of this week and next week, but uh, one way or another, talkzone.com. Two guys in a mic will be here for your service. I almost said to service you. We don't want to go that far. But no, how about. No, please, please. Yeah. I really don't have yeah. that much time. 888 463 6748. Big dog, one of the listeners emails in and uh, please ask Joel. This is from Nikki. From Nolasco. Where is Nolasco? Oh, uh. I have no idea where Nolasco it's, it's, is. It's a suburb outside of Florida, or of Miami in Dade County. Sounds good to me. Even if it's not true, it sounds good to me. Nikki wants to know how is Joel doing on his, uh, Lent? Oh, it's been phenomenal, coach. What a holy time of year it's been for me. <laughs> this year, I gave up giving up stuff for Lent and I have stuck to it. I have still not given up anything for Lent. It's outstanding. So I got I to tell you, I feel a little bit more pure. I got to be honest with you, Coach. And it's been a little bit easier this year. It's a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I, I credit you for the commitment and for the stick to it. And this, a lot of people, you know, three, four days after Lent is done, they've already broken their promises. And again, you have basically given up, giving up things. Yes. Okay. Yes. And I, wow. Wow. It's going well. Going well for it. Hey! <laughs> Maybe, you know, if things doesn't work out for the, the current girlfriend, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to go to Holy Name Cathedral, and I can say, you know, I made it through Lent without giving, you know, without mm-hmm. breaking my uh, my vow. Yeah. 
And for what you told me, uh, all of us need to at least make one visit to Holy Name Cathedral. Oh, my goodness, the talent. <laughs> the, it wow. wasn't exactly the adjective I was looking for when, <laughs> when being encouraged to attend Holy Name Cathedral. <laughs> the talent. What is so there, there truly is, Coach. There I didn't know Holy is. Name Cathedral opened up in uh, the Rush Street area of, of Chicago. And you know what? It, it was pretty funny. That at the end of uh, the one time that I got dragged in the Holy Name, excuse me, that I went willingly to uh, Holy Name Cathedral, mm-hmm. um, at the end, the priest was like, and by the way, uh, don't forget this Monday is singles night, and it was at some bar downtown. <laughs> So, you know, so and the guy saw all the girls, like, taking out their Palm Pilots. And, like, mm-hmm. I was, like, looking at my girlfriend just shaking her head. She's like, what? And I'm like, you have no idea what's going on in here. So it's like a meat market. <laughs> like, like, you go to you go to downtown Chicago to go to church, and it's like a singles club up there. It's uh-huh. hilarious. Good time could be had by all. Uh-huh. Or, or at least most. <laughs> well, not the married folk. Yeah. You a Father Flager fan, by the way, at St. Sabina's Church? You're familiar with the yeah, storied yeah, history you know, of... Yeah, I like the guy. You, yeah. you gotta like the guy. He might be the most loved man in the city of Chicago, by mm-hmm. the way. Which and he came under a lot of controversy when Barack Obama was running for president. I forget the exact specifics, but Father Flager is basically, yeah, Dave. He came out against Hillary Clinton. He was he was bashing Hillary Clinton. Yeah, but that's show, the so Republicans were after him. They they were there was something else. I do remember that too. I do remember that, too. He basically is a white priest in a very poor, largely African-American neighborhood in Chicago. So not largely. I would have to say predominantly. Predominantly. Like, yeah, like 99%. Yeah. It's, it's Englewood. And he so. has stayed there. You know, most priests, I don't know what the rule is, four or six priests last along about about as long as Division One basketball coaches, and they're mandatorily moved. But because he is so indented and indoctrinated into the community, the different cardinals who have headed up Chicago have let Father Flager stay at St. Sabina. That rain could be coming to an end, Big Doug. I read where he might be being transferred, unfortunately. Really? Yep. Where are they moving him to? I think might if, if Weber's out at Illinois, it might be Father Flager. You know what? Uh, <laughs> I got Father Flager's been really good with... Uh, with young African American males. I'm so just I, saying. Yes, get yeah. him, get him to the University of Illinois yeah. right now. He would look good on the bench. You get, you get him some assistance that can diagram some play. He'd be a great recruiter. Don't forget, Northern Illinois has an opening. Loyola has an opening, and even Bradley and Peoria. Father Flager could end out on a Division One bench, don't, uh, coaching bench. Don't kid yourself. Now we're talking about stuff I, I know about, Coach. Now, you know, uh, Flager was at uh, St. Sabinus or St. Sabina's. Yes. When the whole thing with uh, some schools not playing them. And, and now you're going issues. way back, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was actually living in Canaryville, and St. Gabe's was part of all that. And uh, uh, St. Gabriel's, you know, St. Gabe's. And uh, that was some serious stuff. I yes. mean, like. Coach, like, legitimately, like, police escort taking 7th and 8th grade basketball teams to and from games. Are you kidding me? What's wrong with some people? This this was about 10, maybe even 15 years ago, junior high conference, where some of the teams in the conference wanted St. Sabina out because yeah, it, they, were afra- a- they were afraid to bring their kids, their parents, their fans into the St. Sabina area. Father Flager, like the true champion he is, fought long and hard for that one, and I think 
while he did it, brought a lot of people's social consciousness up as well, Big Doug. Well, you know what? Well, if you take your kid to a game and you go into and watch your kid play a little junior high game and you come out and your car is broke into, and, you know, I, there was a lot of issues going on, Coach. It was you know, it was going back and forth. There was a lot. Of, and, you know, the funny thing is when Father Flager stepped out, all nothing ever happened anymore when people went into the neighborhood. So mm-hmm. it was like people like he was like, listen, don't mess with these people. Let them, let them come in here into the neighborhood and take the have the kids go to a, a game. There was a lot more than how it was portrayed on television, where it was basically like, oh, they're trying to kick the African American team out of the conference. It was, there was much more to it, coach. Yeah. It was it was it was ugly. It was really really ugly mm-hmm. from I'm- everyone involved. Little March Madness oh. toss and a little uh, Chicago Catholic Church toss on top of it. Big Dog, as always, a tremendous show. Glad you had a good weekend. No um, trouble. You were able to keep your uh, restricted area in place. Your community service that you have to do was not extended, I hope. No, no, it was extended. Uh-oh. So, yeah, it has something to do with the mayor's, like, mother-in-law or something. <laughs> you know, if I had time, I'd pursue that, but we don't have time. With that as a lead into tomorrow's show, stick around. We'll talk about an incident with the mayor's mother-in-law. Big Dog, have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 10, okay? This is the mayor of Aurora, by the way, not Chicago. I ah, get the story gets better. <laughs> or worse. David Olson, producer, thank you so much. Thank you to everybody out there for tuning in. We'll get off the basketball a little bit and check in with some of the other sports that we have uh, not paid as much attention to. Have a great day. TalkZone.com. Two guys at a mic tomorrow. We'll be back at you at 10 o'clock. Don't be late.